and welcome to the Massachusetts School Counselor Association's podcast. We're excited to share that each month you can expect relevant quality content delivered in a 10 to 20 minute podcast that will give you insight into what's hot in our field today. My name is Mindy Cripps and I'm the Ethics Committee Chair for MASCA, as well as the Director of School Counseling for Billerica Public Schools. I'm joined by our colleague, Dr. John Steer, School Counselor at Wellesley Public Schools and Adjunct Professor at Merrimack College. He's also a member of our Ethics Committee. On today's episode, we'll be talking with MASCA's school counseling graduate students who bring a fresh new perspective to our profession, and we're excited to hear from them. I'm joined by Sean Stevenson from Bridgewater State University, Lauren Cassiselli from Assumption University, and Caitlin LaBeouf from Merrimack College. John, if you don't mind, I'd like to dive right into some important questions uh, for our graduate students today. Sound okay? That sounds fantastic, Mindy. I must say I'm kind of very excited to talk with these future professional school counselors and these three graduate student liaisons from MASCA do wonderful work. So I really am interested to kind of get to know them better. So this will be a lot of fun, okay? All right, Lauren, Caitlin, and Sean, are you ready to answer our questions here? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, here we go. So just in starting out, if each of you would tell us your background and how did you find yourself at the graduate school that you're currently at? So why don't we start with Lauren? Excellent. Um, first off, thank you so much for having us today. I'm so excited to have this opportunity. Um, so I have a little bit of a unique background in terms of how um, I found myself at the Assumption University School Counseling Program. Um, I've actually always been interested in working in education, but my path to pursuing a career in school counseling was anything but traditional. Um, I actually spent the, uh, I actually went to college and majored in business, um, and I worked in marketing and advertising for just about six years before I finally decided to pursue my interest in education. Um, when I think about my college experiences and my time working in marketing, there was always a common theme um, and what definitely brought me the most excitement and piqued my interest. And that was definitely working with students and supporting them in their personal and uh, academic interests. And so whether it was working with colleges and universities, um, volunteering in elementary schools or serving as a big sister, um, these were all sorts of um, experiences that really helped me decide I wanted to be a school counselor. So um, the pandemic gave me an opportunity to take a step back um, and really go for my hope to become a school counselor. And I enrolled at Assumption University. Fantastic. That's a wonderful story. Kind of the the non-traditional path. We like that within the world of school counseling. Thank you so much. All right, Caitlin, why don't we hear from you, your answer to that question. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so I started off by going to Salem State University and getting my bachelor's in psychology. I definitely wanted to take a year off before going into grad school just to see kind of what I wanted to do. My first job out of college was a special ed paraprofessional uh, in a life skills classroom. And I loved the teachers that I worked with, loved the students, um, but I just couldn't see myself doing that long-term. I knew I definitely wanted to work in a school setting and I had taken social work classes in undergrad and I figured school counseling was, was the best path for me. Um, Merrimack College was close to home for me at, at that time and my grandfather had gone there to be a teacher right when it had started up. Um, so it felt like it was a good fit. Wonderful. Thank awesome. you once again. All right, Sean, if you would answer your answer that first question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my my, my path here is also uh, pretty untraditional. So I started my undergraduate journey at the University of Prince Edward Island in uh, Canada. 
Um, and then after two years there, I was there for the worst two winners on record. That was kind of a sign to <laughs> come home. Um, and then when, when I moved home, I took a year off, um, ended up finishing my bachelor's in psychology at Bridgewater State, um, took another year off. And then um, I've been doing my master's now for it'll bless together a year and a half. Um, so professionally, I, I, I've worked at the Cape Cognitive Behavioral Institute and I'm currently at Cape Cod Psychology, um, working a caseload of kind of angsty teens and doing some of this work in a different setting. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for that response. You know, I, I find it interesting as you're all describing your journey, I just also think of it as it's a wonderful thing to hear that as you tell that story is that I'm even sitting here saying, I have questions for each one of you, even though I've spoken to all of you at length before in other venues. And I'm like, now I have even more questions that I wanna ask. So this is just really cool and starting out. I love John that you and I both have connections to all of the colleges that, um, that everybody's attending. Um, I went to Assumption University for my graduate degree as well to, to be in my profession now. And, um, uh, I went to Bridgewater State um, as an undergrad, and I know that, John, you teach at Merrimack College, and so it's kind of neat to, to be able to have that connection, too, with all of you. So No, I, I feel even more connected as we're talking and hearing the stories and things like that. I just think it's so cool, and it kind of, it just, it once again gives, like, a great understanding to just how cool this profession is, so this is fantastic. Yeah. I'm curious, because you're coming from all different backgrounds, um, in your mind, what is the role of a school counselor? Um, I know that, you know, some people have worked with students already. Some people have uh, worked professionally with students uh, or in your, your internships. So in the end, what is the role of a school counselor? So I've been essentially just thrown right into it, like full case wow. load, no stop. It's, it's been awesome, though. Um, thinking about this question, I think a metaphor to represent a school counselor, at least at my school and in my district is kind of a bridge between the students, teachers, parents, and community. Sometimes a student is feeling too shy to ask a teacher for help, especially with COVID going back into that in-person learning. Um, sometimes a parent needs to, you know, be informed about the program of studies and things like that. And we're kind of, you know, the great facilitator in a lot of different ways, both academically and social emotionally. I love that. I've explained to folks that we're sort of like a hub of information to be able to connect with both the student and then the parent, but also community and staff. And, and we're sort of this hub of information to connect folks. And that's really a neat place to be. And it sounds like that's your experience, Caitlin. Tell me, where are you doing your, uh, your internship that's actually covering maternity leave? Um, so I'm at Infury High School right now. Currently. Wonderful. Excellent. And Sean, um, how about the role of a school counselor for you? Um, definitely piggybacking off Caitlin, I guess. Like, I love that bridge analogy, by the way. Um, but I, I guess like when it comes to me, the, the most important thing is doing right by the student, you know, just supporting them social, emotionally, academically, kind of whatever they need. Um, and then from there, obviously supporting teachers, support the student, and it's just kind of like this never ending cycle of support that we're giving, it seems like. Um, I've only done my 100 hour practicum so far at Plymouth South Middle School, um, and in no two days were the same, which was really neat. Like some days were heavy, just kind of, you know, kids popping in, popping out, um, you know, fires to put out popping up around the day. And then other days, it's just a lot of, you know, emailing, phone calls, paperwork kind of stuff. So 
um, definitely like you got to balance it all, but that the, the student support is definitely where I, um, I'm going to focus the most, I guess, once I'm employed. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Once we're yeah. employed, that's what we're looking for. That's fantastic. So Lauren, just switching to you, what do you think the role? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I definitely echo what Caitlin and Sean have said so far, but for me, and um, I've so far completed um, my pre-practicum at two different school districts. And I think the people that I've met and observed, they really helped me understand that the school counselor is really that constant in a student's um, experience, whether it's in middle school or high school. So to me, the school counselor is really that person that's going to provide consistency to the student throughout those four years, let's say, if they're in that high school setting. And so for me, um, I really believe that the school counselor is there to support students developing a relationship and helping build a community where students really feel like they can thrive and grow as they're transitioning kind of to the next phases of their life. You know, go ahead, Mindy, please. You were going to say something. A lot of what we do, and it sort of happens behind the scenes, is culture building. And you're right about that, Lauren. It is culture building to make sure that students feel safe so that they're able to access their learning. Um, it's, it's really about hierarchy of needs, right? To make sure mm -hmm. that they have what they need in order to be available to then learn in the classroom setting. And where are that constant? So that's a great point. I thought something was interesting as the three of you were talking and the words that came to my mind as you said constant student-centered building bridges so there is a wonderful job description for the school counselor and what they're doing and especially in this day and age as well there has to be that constant presence there has to be that ability to build the different bridges to different places to different people and really establish those and as you said sean as well that idea of you have to be student-centered you have to be really looking at it through the lens of the student versus what could be some other ideas of what should be done in that way. So I think that's phenomenal that the three of you just kind of put that together. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, those are three very well-informed students about the role of the school counselor. I'm getting all fired up here. I'm getting like, so, I mean, this is just getting me going about just like, this is exactly what we need within the world of school counseling. So I'll say that. I don't know about you, John, but I love talking with folks who are just coming out of the, the programs um, because it makes me excited being, you know, midway through my career um, and, and very soon on the other side of the halfway point, yeah. um, you know, talking with people who are coming out of grad programs right now, it, it makes me enthusiastic to, mm -hmm. to get back to uh, to my role and my job after I talk with you because it sort of lights a fire within me too to be able to go back and say, this is where our profession is going. And not only is it in good hands as it's coming up, but also you're going to be our colleagues next year. And that's mm -hmm. a really exciting thing. Yeah. And one of them already kind of is through her role at Amesbury. So I mean, that's like, true. you know, it's just, kept, it's continuing to go in that way. Yeah. All right. Well, let's ask you this next question. So just to the three of you, what coursework or assignment has been the most meaningful to you so far in your study of school counseling? So that could be anything that you've studied within the graduate school programs that you're in. So what assignment or like coursework have you done that's really been meaningful to you? Let's ask, let's go with Sean. We'll ask you first this time and then we'll work our way. All right. Um, the, the stuff that I can bring to the field with me. So whether that be like lesson plan curriculum or even um, I have like HIPAA compliant note thing on Google Forms. 
um, that makes it really easy just to note take when I'm in the field. It's definitely the the things that transfer to the field, I think, are are some of the more salient ones in terms of like enthusiasm. Because if I do them right, then I can <laughs> utilize them when I'm there. Very, very cool. So more the practical information that really can be applicable. All right. Lauren, how about yourself? Yeah, this is definitely a hard one to pick my favorite because there's definitely been um there's been a number of them, but I think for me, um, one of the most meaningful courses I've taken so far has actually been my um, cultural responsiveness in uh, counseling course. And so the reason why is because um, it actually really pushed me to evaluate my own cultural identity mm -hmm. um, and how I identify myself. And, and the professor really did a good job of helping us understand kind of how the way we identify shapes how we work with students and how we kind of view different problems or kind of opportunities that we're working through. And so it definitely made me be more aware of elements of my identity that perhaps I hadn't really thought about and how I need to be mindful of this when I'm establishing that counseling relationship with students. And so that is definitely the biggest kind of and most meaningful experience for me so far. Fantastic. Thank you. So Caitlin, you're up. Which one? Coursework and assignment. Um so it was definitely hard for me to identify as well, echoing what Lauren said, um, and shameless plug. I did learn a lot, uh, Dr. Steer, in your group counseling class. <laughs> um, we are we are looking to pilot an arts-based group here, and um, you know, hopefully I can use some of those skills that I learned in there and apply that um, to that group. Um, there was a specific paper that I had to do. I, the name of the class is escaping me, but it was one of the mental health-based courses at Merrimack, mm -hmm. um, school engagement community resources. So I got to identify a community and look at the DESE data and identify community resources. And I did it on Ainsbury right before I started my practicum. And it was extremely helpful to kind of have that background information before going right into the field work, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so Mindy, I'm done for a long time at this point, because I just got a total shameless plug from one of you my totally friends. So I, I'm not going to talk or do anything for a while i'm just so it's totally up to you at this point but thank you caitlin that's very kind of you <laughs> i was expecting a mic drop or something you know <laughs> i believe me as as i said you no one can see me right now but i am literally like the sunshine is just beaming all around me in every way and it's not just the artificial lights i'm under in welding high school currently <laughs> but it's just really it's one of those moments <laughs> absolutely you know um as you know, John and I are, are part of the ethics committee. And um, so we're really involved in that. And I'm curious, as you're going through your schooling, how do you define the idea of ethics? Um, let's start with Caitlin. All right. So I feel like I feel like ethics encompasses a lot of different things in the school counseling profession. Um, I think the big word, at least when I think of ethics, is confidentiality, and that has definitely become more interesting with the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of close contact tracing, having to communicate with teachers when certain students test positive and making sure like it doesn't, you know, spread around the school. In addition to confidentiality, um, I think advocating in the best interest of the student is a, is a big ethical issue that, you know, students and counselors alike need to recognize, um, managing boundaries, and I think a big thing with ethics, at least with me, you know, just starting out in the field with a full caseload of kids is being OK with not knowing and coordinating the proper referrals when appropriate, instead of just taking the best guess, not necessarily being correct about the situation, um, referring when appropriate, I think for sure. Yeah. yeah, there's a real strength in saying 
I don't know. Let me, let me find somebody to assist you and to support you or to say, I don't know, but let me find out. And I'm going to get back to you so that I can support you. Um, and that's, that's not only for somebody who's starting out, but also for somebody who's been in the profession uh, for a long duration. I know that I do it quite often. I'm sure John does as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's one of those times that I mean, like you bring up a lot of points there that I mean, like, those are challenging for even the most seasoned school counselor. And I mean, that can be something that, especially as you grow through the field, that the idea of confidentiality can get really difficult because you could have a person who is your best friend working at the school. You go through a difficult situation and you want to go process it with that friend. But then it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's different. That's something that totally is very challenging. So you bring up a lot of points that can even bring that for the most seasoned school counselor. So what do we think, Lauren or Sean? Ethics, what do you think in the definition? Um, I guess I'll jump in. Um, so I guess like put it like simply, it would be operating with, within one's own competency and then navigating the gray in a way that does right by the student. Um, Cause even at my, practicum site like we had a, a almost 51a but then we, we weren't super confident in it and more information came and all of a sudden it was time to file so it just you know there's a lot of tricky things you know confidentiality and just kind of navigating all that it's kind of a lot to have on one person's plate it seems mm-hmm. yeah well you make up a good point so lauren go ahead please yeah, I would definitely, I think the first words that um, come to my mind when I hear ethics is definitely what Sean said of navigating the gray. And I recall being in like my first, one of my first courses at Assumption University, it was like foundations of school counseling and the professor started to prepare like a bunch of different cases um, where there was kind of no right answer. And so she, she definitely kind of tried to get us comfortable with like the idea that there's going to be many different ways to proceed in any given situation. Students are complex. So the situations that kind of arise with them definitely are going to be complex as well. And so for me and working through like some of the hypothetical cases, um, I think it was definitely important to think about like almost integrity of like trying to figure out how to do the right thing. Um, And so when I think about ethics, I, I definitely try to think about, okay, what's the right thing for the student? given all of the additional circumstances and um, other kind of items that are in that particular situation. What I heard each of you say is that it's important to put the student first. And as long as you're doing right by the student and letting that be your guide, then the vast majority of the time, that's going to be the right path. And certainly it's important to use your trusted colleague or, you know, sources such as like the the ASCA ethics uh, model or anybody who is um, in MASCA ethics. um, We certainly can support you as well. But yeah, you're right. As long as you're putting the student first, that is going to be the most important guiding factor um, as you're working with kids. I also thought it was interesting how each of you also kind of gave reference to kind of staying within your own limits. So it's knowing when you need help and support from someone, which is like, you know, a MASCA, an ASCA, an, a mentor, something like that, that does. Because I think for a lot of people, that's the hardest piece is just asking for that help, just being able to say, like, I really can't operate in this area. This is going to be quite challenging for me. And I think that's a fantastic thing that all, of, all three of you truly reference. So I think that's fantastic. I think we can take them, Mindy, each one of them on the MASCA committee. 
on the FHWA. So. I think so. I think this is actually, they just signed up for it. So all of them are now on. <laughs> no pressure or anything. Yeah, none, none like that. But I mean, regardless of, you know, all that homework that you have to do, but now you have this on your plate too. Absolutely. <laughs> um, John, do you want to jump into the, the next question? Yeah. So this last question, just in this section, is just really for the three of you to really kind of go. And so what we'll do is we'll do it this way. So we'll have Lauren go first, Caitlin, and then Sean. So what's an area within school counseling that needs significant attention? So something within the school counseling world that needs significant attention. So Lauren, Caitlin, and then Sean. Okay, off you go. Awesome. All right. So um, I think for me, so I've completed um, my pre-practicum at two different sites. And I think what's been evident for me is that, you know, and I'm sure this is not going to be a surprising answer, but there definitely, I think, needs to be increased support for students' social emotional help um, or health, excuse me. Um, it's evident that, you know, students are definitely facing increasing levels of stress and anxiety. And I think we have to remember that the, when they walk into the door of school each day, they're bringing everything that's going on in their personal lives with them. And so for me, um, I think we need to think about ways to develop additional interventions and programs that can be available to students who may be struggling um, you know, with anxiety or depression so that they can thrive and they can be successful academically. Because if they have a lot going on in their personal lives, I think it's going to be hard for them to be successful with um, everything that's on their plate in terms of academics and going after you know, their goals or exploring their interests. Fantastic. Caitlin, you're up. Hey, so I, I feel like I brought up COVID in every single answer and I really didn't intend to do that. Um, but I definitely, I definitely um, the first thing that came up when I, when I had read this question was kind of the potentially, you know, generational impact of COVID-19. Obviously we are going to beat this virus. We have vaccines and, you know, all that good stuff, but the lasting impacts in terms of learning gaps, student attendance, student mental health is, you know, probably going to last a long time, um, at least in the interactions that I've had with students. Students, especially, you know, the ninth graders who didn't have that much of a traditional middle school experience at all, which are really formative years. Um, they have trouble, you know, asking teachers for help, organizing their materials, even like navigating a face-to-face -face conflict with a peer, they'll just text them. And, you know, that that's just not sufficient, you know, in the, in the real world. Um, so kind of, you know, having to reinvent the, re the wheel when traditional interventions are ineffective that have been used in districts in the past, um, because there are some students really far behind right now. We need to kind of, you know, brainstorm creative ways to get them back on track. Fantastic. Sean, last, last but not least. Yeah. Um, so I guess this is kind of clouded because of my just professional experience, but I feel like school counselors could be utilizing something like exposure and response prevention for kids that have a hard time getting into the building with anxiety. So instead of more traditional like sit down counseling on the caseload, you might spend time in a certain room or like walk around the halls when it's a little crowded and kind of expose them to that anxiety, bring them back to the office, decompress, talk it through and like move that kind of direction, which isn't something I've seen at my site. Um, but something that I have a pretty good grasp on outside of um, outside of like school counseling. And I really wanted to bring to my future site, I guess, is, is an idea that I've had. Fantastic. So, Mindy, what do you think? Significant attention, something that is in the world. I'm just interested from our perspective. Yeah. So, you know, I think that there's been a, a real shift um, in drawing school counselors into the world of social emotional support. I think that that is so important. Um, when we talk about 
20 to 25 years ago, when I started in this profession, perhaps when John started in this profession, um, yeah, we were involved in social emotional support, but there was a really heavy overview of the idea that um, we were here for college and career and life after high school. And that started in middle school. And now we're finding that social emotional support needs to be pushed to the forefront and yes, we still do so, uh, secondary planning, we do college and career, and we do all of that. But again, the idea that if we're not doing social emotional support for students, then we're not doing our job because we're here to support students' access to learning. And if they need social emotional support, and Caitlin hit the nail right on the head, this is going to be COVID a huge generational impact. My husband likes to use the word um, a watershed event. He's a, a historian. And so it's a watershed moment where it bleeds into everything else. And from the time that, you know, now until the end of my career and John's as well, we will be dealing with the effects of COVID. You will see um, the effects of COVID probably shift maybe halfway through your career. And we'll sort of see a, a different shift where you will um, you will have kids that are not affected by COVID. Um, but for right now, I think that's where our focus needs to be, really uh, embedded in the idea of social-emotional support. Mm -hmm. I'll just go quickly just to say that I think also it's that idea of the change, the evolution from guidance counselor to school counselor. Yes. That needs to continue. And we've got three people on with us who are going to continue to carry that flag forward. And I think that's the most, like, that's, that's important at a level where it's like, that has to be at the forefront of really kind of that continuing to carry that forward. Because everything that you talked about is like, and I think one of you, I can't remember exactly which one said, the school counselor is the constant. And so if the school counselor continues to be the constant and carrying this name change forward of we are doing this type of level of support for the students, that's going to be the most important piece. Oh, as I said, I'm all fired up now. I'm ready to go. Well, all right. So we're going to switch gears here and we're going to do just a rapid fire section here that we do. So we're going to ask you five questions and you just need to give it to us fast here. And what's most important about this is just kind of, as I said, Go, go right from, you know, just right where you are fast, quick, and we'll go from there. So the order of what we'll do is we'll do the reverse. So we'll go Sean, Caitlin, Lauren. Okay. For every time. The, yeah, every time. So we'll stick with it. So I'll ask the questions for each of the section, and then Mindy will close us up with our final question for that we have. Okay. So you're all ready to go for the rapid fire? All right, here we go. In a few words, what is the best part about training to be a school counselor? The best part, I, I guess, is 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 being in being informed when you show up to practicum because you're learning all this stuff and how does this apply? And then you get to your site and you're like, okay, wow, I did learn some things. I think that's definitely the best part. Validating, I guess, is what it is. <laughs> Absolutely, Caitlin, go for it. I think the best part is making connections, networking with professors, peers, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. And Lauren, Caitlin, I thought you were going to say the best part is uh, Professor Steer, but. I'm just joking. There's another plug for you. This is the best day ever. I'm going to be like the worst person to talk with later. I'm going to be smiling constantly. This is going to be awful. All right. Um, in all seriousness, um, I think for me, um, it's definitely getting to pair what you're learning in your courses with the real life experiences um, through the observations and the interning. Fantastic. All right. Next question. What does ethics mean to you, Sean? 
navigating the gray area and doing right by the student. Caitlin, go for it. Um, examining our values, balancing it all, checking our biases when we need to. And Lauren. Identifying the best way to proceed for the student in a situation that's anything but straightforward. Okay, awesome. Like Sean, that. why does this conversation need to happen? So there's the next question, kind of about ethics. Why does this conversation need to happen? Because ethics is something that sounds pretty straightforward when you hear about it, um, but it's really not straightforward once you get into it. Fantastic. Caitlin, go for it. Um, I feel like grad students have a unique perspective about ethics, especially learning about this stuff in the perspective of, again, the COVID pandemic. Um, so it's an important conversation to have for sure. There you go. Lauren, go for it. Building connections and hearing other people's perspectives. Awesome. Mm. Okay, Sean, what inspires you to do this type of work? What inspires you? Um, when I was in fifth and sixth grade, I had a school counselor that made a, a ridiculous impact on my life. Um, like college and where I am now wouldn't have been possible without her. So just kind of paying that forward. Fantastic. Caitlin, wow. go for it. Um, so opposite experience. I was kind of an introverted quiet kid in high school. I don't know if I would have felt comfortable going to a school counselor and I didn't really have school counselors reach out to me when I could have needed somebody to talk to. So I just want to be that, you know, open person with, you know, a chill chill demeanor that students can come to me if they need someone. Fantastic. Lauren. I think for me, um, it's definitely having the opportunity to do something that um, inspires me and I feel passionate about having worked in, you know, marketing and advertising for six years. I didn't necessarily feel that. And so for me, it's definitely having the opportunity to now do something where I'm able to support students as they navigate all different sites, uh, all different types of experiences and um, situations. Fantastic. All right. Last question here in this in this rapid fire. If you had to summarize school counseling and ethics in a few words, what would those words be? Ask for help, take time, and make sure there's a purpose behind what you're doing. Fantastic. Caitlin, go for it. Um, I think it's a balancing act between students' needs, the needs of parents, teachers, and a little bit of school politics sprinkled in there as well. So making it all balance out. Fantastic. Lauren, last last answer. I think I would say uh, ethics and school counseling are complex and complicated, but there are a lot of connections between the two. Fantastic. Ooh, you made it through the rapid fire section. I think all of you answered pretty well. So I think I think they're okay, Mindy. I think they're being all right with being able to answer those questions on the fly. They'll they'll be able to handle school counseling. I think so too. I'm going to ask two other questions. I lied. I told you I was going to ask one, but I promise both of them will be easy. Same order, Sean, Kaylin, Lauren. My first question, which will be the harder of the two, is as you're looking at um, being a school intern, a school counseling intern, and knowing that people that are listening to this podcast may be considering taking on an intern for next mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. What is the most important quality that you look for in a supervising school counselor? What kind of fit are you looking for? Sean, go for it. Um, I love my fit because it's just brutal honesty and it's open to questions um, because like just kind of observing the job for the first time, like you do have a lot of questions and definitely, you know, feeling comfortable to ask those is, is a big big thing because um, something straightforward to a season that might not be so straightforward to an uh, intern. Thanks. Caitlin. I think a good supervising counselor is open to new ideas. Like my supervising counselor, she's great. She's been here for a really long time. Um, and, you know, she's open to the more 
tech savvy, non-traditional creative ideas that I've been able to bring to the table so far, which is awesome. Perfect. And Lauren? I would definitely just kind of emphasize what Caitlin and Sean said, um, definitely being open to questions um, and kind of just having an open door to pop in um, if something is going on and uh, something's not clear. So just definitely that openness for sure. I love it. I think that's really important. You know, I'm going to put a plug in here for the fact that um, making sure that that folks who are coming into our profession, it's really important to have good supervising school counselors who are working with our, our, our interns. Um, so if you're considering it, please feel free to either reach out to John, to me, or to any one of our um, MASCA graduate interns uh, to talk about that if you have questions, because um, helping to usher in a new generation uh, is very important. And I think it's one of the biggest uh, responsibilities that we have as, as mentors to the next generation. Um, go ahead, John. No, I was I was just gonna I was gonna emphasize one other point is just that it's it's that spending time. Being a graduate student is really kind of difficult, and I actually think of it as it's when I started drinking coffee, and now I'm just helplessly addicted to coffee because of that time frame in my own life. But I actually think of it as a lot of it had to do with people being willing to spend the time to talk with me in a way where it was like, you know, yeah, we will spend time with you and get to know you better. And I think that's one of the more important pieces to, you know, kind of a supervising role as a counselor. Absolutely. And then the last question, um, what is your favorite ice cream? Sean? Ooh, uh, chocolate chip cookie dough. Nice. Caitlin? Uh, brownie batter, hands down. Ooh. Lauren? Definitely very basic, but just regular strawberry with rainbow sprinkles. I like it. How about you, John? This is going to sound <laughs> terrible, but it's so true. Have you ever had Ben and Jerry's fish food? Of course. That is amazing on so many levels, but also at the same time, after I eat it, oh my gosh, I feel so sick because of how much is how much sugar, how much everything else is in there. And actually, I think I'm gonna go get some right now. So. <laughs> I think that's a perfect idea. Um, you know, I was gonna say Vienna mocha chip, but um, I think I'm gonna change it to fish food because I had that last night and you're right, it is awesome. <laughs> um, anything else to wrap up that you'd like to share or John, any, any last parting thoughts? I I would just like to say that I am so appreciative of the three graduate student liaisons that we have here with us and that they were willing to spend the time with us to talk and also to share their expertise. And I think this is part of what we are hoping the school counseling world will see is that there are wonderful young upcoming students who want to be school counselors, who want to do the job and want to do it well. And so to celebrate that. So I am just so grateful for the three students that we have here and what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I'm just very appreciative of them. And I wanted to make sure that gets said. John, I can't, uh, I can't uh, agree with you more. I think that this has been amazing. I'm so grateful to talk with each one of you. Um, the future is bright for our profession because uh, you and folks like you are coming into it. And uh, this is wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Caitlin, Sean, Lauren, it's been a lovely, lovely morning. Yeah. Um, it's a pleasure talking with you today. Thanks for sharing your, your insights, your expertise. And stay tuned for our next podcast to be released in mid to late February. 
We're going to feature Jessica Descartes, the Masca Counselor of the Year. Until then, thank you for all that you do to support students and their growth academically, socially, and emotionally. Have a great day.